Hello everybody, welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in a series we're doing called Life in His Story. And uh, in this series we're, we're taking a look at the, uh, the church calendar, if you would, that's gone on for thousands of years, the church history um, we're sort of taking into it. And we're, we're looking at it just as a way of helping us to plug in in our devotional lives to where we're at in his story. I think it's very helpful that uh, the church year um, has with it um, sort of uh, every year it re, um, re-celebrates the life of Jesus, you know, the important parts throughout the year. And uh, I think it's just a great way of reflection on knowing where we're at in his story. It started, the Christian year started with Advent back before Christmas and then Christmas and then um, we had a short epiphany season um, this year because Easter comes quickly and uh, Easter's the end of March. We're going to have a great Easter service, by the way. If you're in town, you need to plan to be here. Like, um, I'll start plugging it now, but Good Friday night, we're bringing John Bauer back, who's the, one of the top recording artists in Canada. He's great. He did a concert. He's going to come and do a good concert Friday for us, good Friday concert. And then he's actually going to hang with us and intermix with some of the teams throughout the weekend. So, uh, And then after the... 11 o'clock service on Sunday, we're bringing the Dorfel family in to do a concert with a big, uh, big meal that we do. That's kind of our tradition. So there's a lot. And then we're doing a baptism on that Saturday. So uh, and then all the service on Sunday. So it's going to be a great weekend. If you're in here, make plans to not do anything else. <laughs> we want to see you every day. <laughs> so, uh, so that's coming up. We're very excited about that. And that'll be, uh, you know, starting that last weekend in March. Anyway, so um, right now, I got off track. That happens pretty quickly. Um, we're building up to Easter, uh, which is the big event in the year. You know, the incarnation is very significant, but really it's the, it's the, the crucifixion, the, the death, and the resurrection that is the main event of every year that uh, as Christians we celebrate. And so... Um, Right now we're in a season, and, and this season is a, it's a little three-week season that prepares us for what the church commonly knows as Lent. And we'll talk about Lent is really a time of, of fasting and prayer and uh, just trying to get really dialed in um, to the Lord. But uh, this is a preparation time for that preparation time. And it's, it's known by Latin names for um, 70 days, 60 days, and 50 days approximately before Easter. Um, last week was uh, Septuagesima, which means 70. Uh, today, uh, this weekend is a Sexagesima, which means 60 days out. And next week is Quinquagesima, which means 50 days out. And so we're in this three weekend season. And what we're doing during this time is we're looking at some of the traits that we need to develop as believers. Um, and, and so uh, that's what we're pressing into as we go. Last week we talked about um, the importance of uh, selflessness, uh, and this week we're going to be talking about humility. So this is uh, Sexagesimus Sunday, the eighth Sunday before Easter, approximately 60 days before the main event. Before we dig in, just a couple little things I thought I would share with you. The first one was uh, interesting. It happened today at the car wash. Um, so in case you don't, we wash people's cars, and it's not a fundraiser. It's an outreach. We wash people's cars, and then we give them a dollar. It's, what, it's our $1 car wash. It's just something we love to do, and we were out there washing cars, and we washed a, washed a bunch of cars today. And uh, at one point, I was, I was actually at the, and we let them go all the way through, and then we give them a dollar a car, and I was doing that for a while. And I was uh, 
uh, this one this one lady came through, and uh, she hadn't been, and she was she was quite uh, you know excited about the whole thing that she wasn't giving us money. We were giving her money after we washed her car and a dollar. And I said, well, you know, we're just out here trying to encourage people. And so I looked at her. And I said, are you encouraged? And she goes, she goes, I'm more than encouraged. I'm inspired. And I'm like, that's really way higher than I was shooting for. <laughs> So that was good. You know, I'm shooting for encouraged, and we got to inspired. So, uh, so that's really good. That's a God thing. And then um, the other thing I was thinking about, uh, you know, this is Super Bowl uh, Sunday, and so um, we, we actually have church tomorrow night, but I'm sure a lot of people will be watching, which is all good. Uh, and and uh, I don't really have a uh, team in the game, so I, 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 I don't really care. You know, I'll see the commercials probably because that's the funniest part. Um, but I'm just not that interested in the game because, um, you know, for, since I was a, a young man, I lived in South Florida when I was younger and became a Dolphins fan. We used to get to go to quite a few of the games. And so um, I'm sort of a Dolphins fan, even though they're, uh, there you go, even though they're really not very good. And, and um, now, it reminded me of this story, and I, I thought you might like it. Um, uh, this guy walks into a sports bar, and he's got a dachshund under his arm, and the dachshund is wearing a Dolphins uh, uniform and a Dolphins helmet. Uh, as he as he goes into the sports bar, and then the the uh, bartender says, "Guy, I'm sorry, we we don't allow pets in here." And the guy says, "Look, my TV's on the fridge. So I really would like to watch this game. Um, could, he'll be okay. I, he won't cause any problems." The guy says, "Well, we'll give it a try. But if he causes any problems, he's got to go." And the guy says, "Great." And he sits down, and the game starts, and the the kickoff happens, and the Dolphins actually receive the kickoff, and uh, they take the ball and they drive the ball down the field till about 25 yard line, and then they stall out and they have to settle for a field goal, and they they kick the field goal, and it's good. And and uh, when it goes through that it's good, the dog hops up onto the bar and he actually gets on his back legs and he walks down the bar high five and high paw and all the people at the bar. And he's just really excited. And the bartender says, man, that's, that's amazing. He said that he can do that. He says, he says, what does he do when they score a touchdown? And the owner says, I don't know. I've only had him four years. It's true. (laughs) There you go. That's my football humor. The scripture reading today, put here on purpose. Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. It says this. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered, because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he had said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocks are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while. But in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, 
and by persevering produce a crop. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Now the parable of the sower um, talks about the good news of Jesus falling like seeds on people's hearts. Some hear but quickly forget. Some hear with delight but fall away. Some let the cares or delights of this world choke out the good seed. Now the question becomes then, well why did Jesus teach in parables? And it has to do with response. It has to do with response. How we respond to Jesus and the movement of the Spirit in our lives. The people who had open and humble hearts had already responded to the Lord in some lever, uh, to, to the Lord in, in that they'd seen what he'd done, and so their hearts were open to seeing him, and so when he spoke, the parables made sense to them. To the people who were rejecting him, the established religious community, their hearts had already begun to harden so that they, couldn't, uh, they wouldn't have ears to hear or eyes to see any longer. So his initial movement of, um, and ministry of words and works had been very plain and easy to understand. What he started with was very plain and easy to understand. And if your heart was humble and open, you heard it and you received it. But if your heart was proud and, and, and hardened, you'd already begun to reject Jesus. That's what's happening as we're into the eighth chapter now of, of the gospel. So Jesus has made what he's doing and who he is very plain, and some people have responded because they were open to him, and some people have already begun to shut him down. So Jesus begins to teach in parables. And, and he does this, uh, like I said, and it's all a matter and a measure of response. So he's, he's teaching this way and the people that are responding to him because they they're have humble hearts are drawing closer and closer to him. The people with hardened hearts, prideful hearts, are, are moving further and further away. So in the remainder of Luke chapter 8, Jesus demonstrates for us in, the, in his teaching why we can trust him in our lives. Um, he goes ahead and he calms the storm in verses 22 through 25. In verses 26 through 30, uh, 39, he frees the um, possessed, showing that he has power over the evil one. Uh, in Luke 8, uh, 40 through 48, he heals the sick, demonstrating his power over disease. In, in, in Luke 8, 49 through 56, he actually raises the dead. He has power even over death. He clearly demonstrates who he is. Jesus is Lord, our almighty God, and we can put our trust in him if our hearts are open. And if we're walking in humility, we will respond to Jesus and in the process experience life. If our hearts are hard and prideful, we won't. See, humble hearts, uh, open hearts, um, uh, which is humility, which is what humility allows us to realize that in order to find and experience real life, we're going to have to depend on and trust in God. It's, it's realizing we don't have it all figured out. We're not perfect. We haven't yet arrived. Um, and that is the heart of humility and what it's all about. And this idea of humility plays a huge part in our relationship with God and with others. And we've talked lots here that that's what it's all about. It's about loving God and loving others. That's what Jesus has for us in this life. So in order to know that we, uh, who he is and that we can trust him um, in everything, we need to come at him at a place of humility and openness and and that's how we find him 
in our lives. And uh, humility uh, is um, such a helpful thing to walk through this life. Um, it, when you walk through life in, in your pride, in a very proudful way, life is really tough. It's really hard. When you walk through life thinking you got it all figured out, oh man, life can be a real mess. Ask me how I know. Uh, it's just difficult. But humility is something that's very helpful in experiencing real life. And it's, it's, it's one of those things that's hard to talk about because it's, uh, you can't go up and, and it's not like you can go, you know, because the moment you go, yeah, I'm really, I've really got humility down, uh, you, <laughs> it, it means you don't, you know what I mean? So it's one of those things that's difficult for us to kind of grab a hold of, but it's such an important concept that we all need to be working on all the time. We can always press in more and more into the process. I always, whenever I teach on humility, I always think about the, the Sunday school um, child who, who one weekend won the humility award and the next weekend they took it away when they wore it in on their shirt. Um, that's really pretty funny, but nonetheless. Uh, so if you couldn't wear it, the humility you got. Okay, so having said that, let's dig in a little bit and uh, look at how humility really helps us in our lives. First point is that humility reduces stress. Humility reduces stress. As I said in the, in the opening, um, one of the things that humility does is helps me to realize sort of where I fit in the world, um, that it's, it's about God, it's not all about me, it doesn't spin around me. Um, I don't have to have all the answers for everything that goes on. That's very, very freeing. Because sometimes we think we need to have an opinion about everything and an answer for everything and that somehow it's on us to make things work. Uh, um, I think it's the driving force behind like staying connected uh, so many people do to cable news 24-7 like if I miss something then you know it's all going to fall apart when the reality is when you pull out of that uh, whole mess you feel a lot better about life Uh, you catch up what you need to but you just don't get all the spin Um, it's just not about me to have to have an answer for everything and I don't and uh I know what that feels like to feel like you need to be, you know, so in it because you're so caught in the whole thing that oh, I better, uh, I better, st- you know, I got to stay connected somehow to this mess, and, and uh, like the mess needs me, and it doesn't. That's very freeing. I remember back in the '90s when uh, when we first went into a, a, a battle, I think in Iraq in the early '90s. I don't remember the dates now, mid '90s, whenever it was, and it was the first time they really had it on TV. And because of the time difference, everything was happening at 2 or 3 in the morning, and it was, all, it was all showing up live. And I remember being fascinated about it, and I used to watch that for hours and hours. Like, I had to watch it to know what was going on. And, um, I, I, you know, over time I realized, I asked myself, what, what are you doing this for? You know, it's, it's happening. I need to pray. That's all I can do. You know, my opinion doesn't matter in this day. A lot of it just didn't, but I was getting all worked up over it. And... Uh, I know that that happens from times, and I think it comes out of a spot of not getting into a place with God where you go, you're in charge. Nothing is surprising you. Uh, there's, there's nothing overwhelming you, and I trust you. Um, you've demonstrated over and over and over again your love for me, your faithfulness, your grace. You know, you've demonstrated your, your ability to um, be in charge and be in control. And so, Lord, I trust you. I don't, I don't have to take on... This, I don't have to take on responsibility that's not mine. That is very freeing. 
very freeing in life and really improves your relationship with God and others. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. The verse of the Proverbs that I'm sure most of you have heard and heard and heard, but there's, there's this, this promise in there that look, if we'll just trust in him, Instead of in our own strength, our own devices, and our own abilities to make things work, that's where we're going to find life. As we do that, this neat things happen secondly, because our relationship with, with God is going to improve in that spot. And then um, humility helps improve all our relationships. Uh, it helps us uh, with all our relationships, and, and really in our one another relationships. Because we can get the focus off of us and onto other people. Humility allows that. When our relationships are driven by, you know, what it's all about me, um, those aren't the best of relationships. Um, if, if the questions that we have all the time, you know, we're what about me, what about me, we're, we're missing something. Because we have to know that God's going to take care of us. He's going to trust. And, you know, we need people in our circle who love us and, and, uh, and care for us and all those things. I'm not saying we don't. But um, it can't be the driving force in our relationships. And uh, it frees us again in so many ways in, in this, this relationship. Um, and I've said this before, but in case you've never heard me say it or you've forgotten hearing me say it, when you become interested in others, you become interesting to others. And that's a big part of humility. When you become interested in others, you become interesting to others. And so um, humility allows us not to have to be right all the time which is another very freeing thing. Um, our pride makes it so we gotta be right, we gotta be right, we gotta be right. And humility just says, ah, I'm not always right. Um, and it's okay, I, I mess up, I sometimes get it wrong. I need to rethink some things sometimes, I'm not always right. Um, and that's very freeing, to be able to say I was wrong. A lot of people really struggle in, in that whole process of admitting that they're wrong and like we're all wrong sometimes. And it's just very freeing. Um, humility allows us to say we're sorry. And we've talked about this, but I will continue to bring this up, this, this whole concept of really saying you're sorry without tossing in that word but into it, which, take, which nullifies the sorry. And that's always a pride thing. Um, that's always a pride thing. If you have to say I'm sorry, but here's the reasons why I did what I did. I'll admit it wasn't even right, but here's why. And then try and pass some of the blame onto somebody else for some situation. You're really not sorry, and it's a pride thing. It's you're stuck because you, you just refuse to believe that you could be completely wrong, and you can be. And realizing it just frees you, so that you can just say I'm, oh, I'm sorry. Really work on that. Don't don't say anything after I'm sorry. Try me. Uh, trust it. Try it. It's very hard to do, but it's very freeing. I'm sorry. And then everything else that you think of, don't say. Because you'll think of a million things to say. Why? I was hungry. It was your fault. I didn't sleep enough. My neck hurt. You can think of a million things. I'm sorry. It's enough. You know, if you can't get there right away, say what you ever to say under your breath, and then you'll, you'll get better over time, I guess. I don't know. I don't think you're really sorry then, but still, it's a start. And also, um, humility allows us to say, hey, I need some help, which is a pretty big deal. Sometimes we're stuck. Philippians 2, 3, and 4, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, 
But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. I mean, it doesn't mean that we don't matter. It just, it's not all about us. You know, I've said that. It's, it's not all about me. It's some about me. It's just not all about me. God makes sure that it's some about me, but I have to trust him to do that. And it's a different way of looking at things. And then humility, third, allows us to be graceful, full of grace. Um, humility opens our eyes to see our own constant need for grace. That's huge, in our, again, in our lives. Um, when, when your heart is hardened and when you're prideful, which is you know, part of the problem that people were having with Jesus, they thought they had it all figured out. Um, when you realize how desperately you need grace, it sort of allows you to step back and just kind of take a deep breath and, and realize um, because you need grace so desperately, so do all the people that you encounter. All of them need grace. All of them need the grace of God. It needs to flow through. In every situation, everybody needs grace. They're not there to make your world work. They're there be, and, and they're people that God loves and we need to be grace-filled people. You know, and God will put you in situations where you um, can engage with people and just give them a little grace when they desperately need it. They desperately need it. Instead of just pushing all the time and trying to get your own way and just... Um, I was at the Winn-Dixie last week. You know my Winn-Dixie stories. I'm, and uh, I love Winn-Dixie because uh, I'm glad that they're there because it's better than growing food and hunting food and... Uh, all the other things that go with it. You just get to go in and buy food. And that's very, very convenient. Um, and, and, and yet it's a little busy this time of year in particular. And I was in there last week. Maybe, it might have been two weeks ago. But just, and um, I, I've, I figured out years ago I always picked the wrong cashier line. And I just have come to accept it. I don't, I don't, I used to, you know, I, I used to be like, I couldn't deal with it. And I'd always switch lines. I was, there was always, the other line was always a better line. And the reality is the line, other line is always a better line. That's okay. This is the line you pick. Just going just gonna to tough it out. And, uh, and I try and get, you know, a conversation with people. If there's no one that really wants to talk to me, I, I have on my iPhone, I pull up, you know, when I'm at devotional sites and I'll, I'll read while I'm sitting there waiting and it's a perfectly fine way to spend the time. Have you, I, I've come to realize um, I'm just changing God's pocket. He can spend me however he wants. So my time is his, and if I'm going to spend an extra 20 minutes in line, this is God's time. You can... Anyway, I say that to say this. So I'm in this line, and there's this huge problem um, with the people right in front of me. It's not their fault, but it's a significant issue, all right? And the, the, um, they, they buy their groceries, and then their debit card won't work, and their credit card won't work, and they're stuck there, and... Um, um, it turns out it was actually the cashier's, the poor cashier's fault because she'd voided something that hadn't come off right and she'd missed it from the person before that. And so here these people are getting, they actually were pretty good, but they were getting a little upset. And I even, I even said to them, look, because then, then, they, then their, their check wouldn't run through either. Debit card credit in there and it wouldn't, it refused to take their check. So it wasn't them, it was the machine, but they didn't know that. And I even said, write me the check, I'll pay for your grocery. I did say that. I said, let's just move this along. I said, Here, I'll, I'll, you look like I can trust you. Give me the check, I'll pay for your grocery. But no, 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 and they, they saw somebody else who was there that they knew and they got some cash from them. And, and then the cash wouldn't work. That was the topper. So, <laughs> debit card, credit card, check, cash. <laughs> and actually they were holding up pretty good. But n now I've been in line for a long time and I'm, I'm just like, anyway. They finally get through and it's my turn. And, and uh, one of the managers kind of comes and, and sort of really rips into the cashier. And uh, 
it, she was impacted by it. And you could tell she was about to, you know that spot? And the manager walked away and I just said, you know what? It's really going to be okay. You're doing great. It was just a mistake. Things happen. Don't worry about it. Just take a deep breath. We'll get through this. And I was bagging my groceries. And I was just speaking words like that to her. And she calmed right down. See, and I, I know that the big line and the wrong line and having to wait was just for those few moments because God loves that cashier with all that's in him. And, and she needed someone right at that moment just to say, it's going to be okay. Just relax. It's all right. And uh, so those opportunities happen all the time if we'll slow down enough and let them and not be so consumed with our own stuff and what's going on. James 4, 6, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So trusting in God, having an open and humble heart helps us to realize that life is found in his story, being in relationship with God and others. And that's what I want you to think about this week as we're 60 days out from the main event, how important it is for us to walk in humility. Amen? Amen. All right, so we're going to transition into our extended worship. Um, to do that, we're going to kind of stand up, and uh, to get you to stand up and stretch your legs, we'll take up our offering too. So it all works out really well. So why don't you stand up, and let's take up our offering as part of our worship to God. This evening, Father, we